0: SPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Coming to you live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios from East River Nine. Here now are the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up.
1: What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. Andrew Carlson is out here engineering. Joe George made it on time today. He's back at Gow. We are broadcasting live from the River House at East River Nine. It's rainy outside. There's no doubt about that. But you don't have to play golf to have a great time at East River Nine. They have fantastic food, which we're about to eat. They have fantastic drink, and you can hang out with us. Always a good time at East River 9. I feel like Blanker's rhyming a little yeah, bit. What did you think did of that there. rhyme? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the Texans are getting ready for a football game on Sunday. They take on the Denver Broncos, of course, doing it without Titus Howard. It doesn't look like Dalton Schultz is going to play either, which, remember we talked about it, was it was Monday, Tuesday, I can't remember, they all run together, uh, where Brevin Jordan was playing, I, I, I think it was every single snap on the final drive, didn't see Dalton Schultz. I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Uh, it turns out because he had an injury. He, he hurt his hamstring. He's not practicing At all this week of course you know yesterday today kind of the big days of the week he didn't practice either one of them I don't think the Texans are going to have Dalton Schultz on Sunday against the the Broncos if I had to guess which isn't great Uh, we'll get into the you know is Denver actually good are they smoking mirrors is this a playoff eliminator Uh, Rockets they got hammered yesterday in Denver although if you played the number it didn't work out all that well for you but I was thinking about this from a from like kind of a holistic point of view when it comes to the Houston Texans. I do think it's imperative for the direction of this organization to make the playoffs this year. I think that lessons are learned for being in the hunt. I think lessons are learned playing competitive football in December. I think lessons are learned when you get beat in the playoffs. Like even if the Texans like sneak in as the seventh seed in the AFC and they get absolutely hammered in a wild card round on the road, I think you can take valuable lessons from that. And if you look at the last ten Super Bowl champions blankers, eight of the last ten Super Bowl champions, and yes we can start talking about the Houston Texans as having Super Bowl aspirations, not this year. Some would say even next year is way too soon. But with CJ Strat at the helm, you can start talking about the Texans realistically competing for a Super Bowl championship. Eight of the last ten Super Bowl champions made the playoffs the prior year. I think it's imperative for this team to get in any way, anyhow, and I don't even really care about the result once they do get in. See, I I, I would not I would push
2: back that I don't think it's imperative. I, I think that you can do a majority of what you said without having to actually get in. I think the ride is going to be something, like the push down the stretch, the competitive games, the games that mean more, stepping up and be, you know, getting that experience. I agree with you that if they get in, sure, it's obviously an, an absolute bonus and that experience is invaluable and it means a lot. But just being in the hunt when you didn't expect this team to even be sniffing the playoffs and being in meaningful football down the stretch with your final six games – is going to mean something to this team that I think they're going to take away from. So I think they can take away a lot of what you're saying from this experience, whether they get in or not. Ideally, obviously, we all want to see them make it. But even if they fall short, the fact that they were involved in these meaningful games and the ramped-up, kind of hyped-up games and the experience to go with it, I still think they could get a lot out of
1: it. I think you have to define imperative for what? Like, well, why is it imperative? To me, it's imperative if you like really want to be a Super Bowl team next year, as soon as next season. I think the Texans are capable of doing that. I think you can look at the career of Joe Burrow so far and kind of draw some comparisons and parallels with what C.J. Stroud has done. You know, Joe Burrow had his rookie season kind of cut short—not kind of—he did have it cut short because he tore his ACL, and he didn't have the rookie year that C.J. Stroud had. I don't think it's beyond realism that Stroud could potentially lead his team to a Super Bowl next year. I'm going to go into next season thinking that the Texans are capable, not the favorite, probably a dark horse, an outside-the-box pick to potentially represent the AFC for the Super Bowl. I think Stroud's that good. So if I'm, if I'm entering that thought as soon as next season, I think it's imperative to make the playoffs this season, and I think history tells you that as well. And I think you're right. I
2: think in defining imperative, but it's also defining your expectations of this team. And right now, not that I can't get there, right now my expectation to this team for next season would be a playoff team a playoff team that has a chance to win the division, a playoff team that is getting better and is on the rise to where they're going to be heard from for, you know, many years to come. I just can't think and, and wrap my head around the fact that as good as this season has been and where this team currently sits, that a year from now or going into next year's season that that I can I can start legitimately saying this is a team that I think can compete for a Super Bowl. Part of it's because Burrow's coming back with the Bengals, and the fact that Mahomes hasn't gone anywhere with the so Chiefs. Beat
1: Burrow and Cincy.
2: He did, but they and they were a little less than in terms of who they had to, to, on their roster at, on that time. But I get it; injuries happen. I just as much as I just try to be as realistic as I can. I personally can't get my arms around the fact that next season they're going to be a Super Bowl team, but I totally can get my arms around the fact they're a playoff caliber team that could probably win a game or two in the
1: playoffs. I think that's probably where we hit our crossroads in this conversation. Because, like, for me, imperative to get to the playoffs, because I think that they can seriously consider themselves a Super Bowl contender next year. For you, you're not there yet. That's why making the playoffs this is an imperative for you. It sounds like you're, I'm probably a year earlier than you, because yeah, it right. sounds to me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, it sounds to me like you would have the same opinion that I have this year, next Correct. year. Correct. Where if they're like looking at 2025 as the first year of hey, Houston Texans, they could be a dark horse uh, outside the box, Super Bowl pick out of the AFC, that would turn into next season. See, I- I'm probably a little bit on the fast forward when it comes to the direction of this team. I think things happen in sports quickly. Like look at C.J. Stroud, for example. And yes, C.J. Stroud's having the greatest rookie year for a quarterback in NFL history, and that's not hyperbole to say that. So if we would have envisioned C.J. Stroud right now at the beginning of the season, everybody would have said we we're crazy. If we were like, C.J. Stroud's going to have the best rookie year of any quarterback in NFL history, people would have said you're drinking the Kool-Aid, you're wearing the Homer hat, you're wearing the goggles, all of these things. Yet, it happened. Uh, I'm I look, i I'm guilty of it. I think people were saying that D'Amico Ryans could be coach of the year. I was like, come on, guys, you guys are being nuts. There were some people saying, I think, I think it was PC, maybe. I don't want to put words in PC's mouth that the Houston Texans could be a playoff contender this year. Mocking that, saying that that's ridiculous the Houston Texans ceiling this year is seven wins turns out their ceiling might be 10 turns out their ceiling might be the postseason so I think the Texans are ahead of the curve and because they're ahead of the curve, that's kind of why I view this season as the season hey, go, go take your lumps, learn your lesson, uh, get eliminated in a wild card round, just so you feel what it's like. It's cause sometimes the best lessons you learn are failures. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. You have to
2: fall down a few times before you get up and really learn to run and walk and, and do those things. I think you're right, we're about a year apart, because I think the variables matter too. I think what they do in the draft is going to matter. I think you know what they do in free agency is going to matter. And more important than anything else, the schedule is going to matter. And this year, the schedule was very conducive if – and it was a big if at the start of the season and none of us yeah. were on that page yet. But if everything fell into place, this was the year to make the big run and really kind of take great strides because of the schedule on top of what you were building and what you got out of a, a C.J. Stroud that we weren't sure we, what you are going to get out of and D'Amico Ryans. So I think that it's not bad that we're a year apart in terms right. of where we target this team to be because we both agree they're on the rise, they are ascending quickly – And what we've seen is enough. It's just that sometimes those variables matter, too. And the schedule that you're going to see next year is probably going to be a lot tougher. And and it's going to present some challenges. But what they do in the draft and what they do in free
1: agency is going to be big for me as well. Yeah, the money matters a lot. Uh, Todd brings up an interesting point that I didn't think about that I I think supports my side of the argument, actually. He says, I I think if they miss the playoffs, it means that they regressed this year, which might not be great going into the offseason. I kind of agree. Like with the schedule that you have, if you fall short, that means you did not finish the season strong. And I like—I don't think the Houston Texans have a top five AFC roster. They have been a you know a benefactor of their schedule. They've taken advantage of that. But even with that, I didn't think that they would be anywhere near the playoff hunt and could potentially win double-digit games. Last ten Super Bowl champions, and some of these are repeats. Obviously, Kansas City has repeated. Uh, New England has, even though New England's first NFL team in NFL history to be flexed off of Monday night. Congratulate, Bill Belichick's just ending his career with a thud, isn't he? Uh, Kansas City won last year's Super Bowl championship. Year before, lost in the conference title. The L.A. Rams, year before they won it all, they lost in the divisional round. Tampa Bay is one of the two teams that didn't make the postseason before they won it all. Kind of a weird offseason. They brought in Tom Brady. Tom Brady made him a champion. Uh, Kansas City. Lost in the conference title game the year before they won their first one. New England lost in the Super Bowl before they won their next one. Philadelphia is the second team that didn't make the playoffs the year before they won the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, be big whatever. Nick, Doug Peterson, et cetera, et cetera. And then New England lost a conference championship the year before they won. Denver lost in the divisional round before they won. New England lost in the conference title, and then C, uh, Seattle. Whenever they won their championship, they lost in the divisional round. So. And maybe that's the maybe that's the determining factor too. If the Houston Texans are like a legit Super Bowl contender next year, like if they make the playoffs this year, even if they get hammered in the wild card round, maybe we go into next season saying, "Yeah, this Houston Texans team in 2024, dark horse, off- they're close." Yeah they're 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 on the break like we can mention I don't even want to say they're gonna make it but we can mention them in the conversation like whenever you see the AFC preseason these teams are your contenders you're gonna have the usual suspects ha. <laughs> Kansas City you're gonna have Baltimore maybe Miami now is gonna be in that mix Cincinnati whenever Joe Burrow's healthy has to be in the mix because Joe Burrow's one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL who knows if we're considering Buffalo in that mix kind of depends on how they finish down the stretch for the Texans I think for us to seriously put them in the conversation even if they're fifth out of five I think it's going to take a postseason berth this year. I think if they miss the postseason, we're not even talking about them as a dark core Super Bowl contender next season. You think about
2: the When I said that Jimmy Johnson was on the, the studio show a few weeks ago or about a month or so ago, we were talking about it. I said, look, he makes a great point. He said, of the three variables you have to have to be a Super Bowl caliber team and a playoff caliber team, you got to have a quarterback, you got to have a coach. Yeah. Those are sewn up. Those are lock, stock, and barrel done. You've got both of those things. Now, it, as you move forward, you got to have a defense. you got to have some of the things that they're still working on, and that means it's a work in progress. So that's why I'm a little more hesitant to say Super Bowl the following year. I totally think that we're close in terms of, look, I need them to experience a lot in this, in this last part of the season, whether they get in the playoffs or not. If they're playing meaningful football in the last couple of weeks, if they know right now they're on the out, they're, but in the hunt, the Colts are actually in. But if you get the Colts and you even up that series for the year and you can do the things you need to do by taking care of your schedule... You are good enough to be a playoff team, and I think that's something in itself as an accomplishment. But you're you're right in the fact that a lot of these guys need to kind of taste it, yeah, that's to where understand at. it.
1: And that, that, I, I, that's to me like you need to take those bumps along the way. Like I always like to use the. Like late '80s, early '90s basketball example. For whatever reason, I don't know why that I I go there. But like before the Pistons and the Bad Boy Pistons won their back to back titles, they had postseason failures. Uh, before Chicago and you know and Magic or not Magic, before Michael Jordan took off, he had to experience the Jordan rules and he was getting beat up by the Pistons, the Rockets. Before they won back to back titles, they had postseason failures. You, I just showed the example too the last ten Super Bowl champions, like. This team is playing to the point where I want them to taste playoff failure because I think it's going to benefit them for the future. And well, CJ Stroud, I-, I think that you can consider yourself a Super Bowl champion, like you said, the D'Amico factor of that as well. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're broadcasting live at East River 9. Come hang out with us. We know that the weather is not great, but you can have a drink. You can have a bite. A uh, great spot to-, to have some lunch and a-, and a nice drink as well here at the River house at East River Nine. All right, he's a Pac-Man Joe on Twitter. Joe's a George, Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Brand. I'm busy show. Lee Sterling's going to hand out winners, and then we're going to hand out winners with BZ Money as well. Bad Take Boulevard on a Thursday. Got to stick around for Bad Take Boulevard. Who makes the list this week? On Sunday, the Texans take on Denver. Broncos have won five in a row. Longest winning streak in, in the AFC. Is Denver legit, or is it smoke and mirrors, and is this a playoff eliminator? in the AFC coming up at Energy Stadium on Sunday. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before
2: we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health doing things for people on a daily basis, especially if you've suffered through the trials and tribulations, whether it's just stress or as you get older and you don't have enough energy in the day and you don't have enough time, you don't think, but you're not taking good enough care of yourself. Maybe you'll need to lose some weight. There's all kinds of factors that get into from the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom where you're having issues and you don't think there's anything you can do about it. You can if you go see the people at Apollo Men's Health, and they can have you feeling like your old self in no time at all. It starts with all the different ways that you can get more energy in your life on a daily basis. It could be hormone therapy. It could be as simple as a B12 shot like I get every week. The fact of the matter is you're going to feel more energetic. You're going to have more time to get those things done, and you're going to feel better about yourself in doing so. In the workouts and the gym part, part of this, well, maybe you don't have time to get to the gym at all. Well, they have... FDA-approved semi-glutide right now, which will have you losing up to six pounds every week without ever hitting a treadmill or grabbing a weight. If you do want to get back in the gym, start with a full body composition analysis, and then every so often do another one. Chart your progress. See where your body fat's going down, your muscle mass is going up, and all the numbers are making sense. Those are the kind of things that Apollo Men's Health can help with. Start the process today. Go to apollomh.com. Uh, .com, sign up your first appointment. You're going to find out that most major insurance is accepted. There's discounts for military personnel and first responders. You mentioned my name, Joel Blank. Free B12 shot on your first official visit. You can get your lab results free instead if that's something you're interested in, Or you can get uh, the, one of those body composition analysis that I'm telling you about. So check them out today. Tell them I sent you by. But get with the good people and let them do their thing because they're going to get you results. They're going to take you where you need to go and get you up feeling great like you've never felt before go see the people today at Apollo Men's Health
0: on the northern bank of Buffalo Bayou you'll find the mobile Veritex community bank studios at East River Nine and its current occupants the killer bees here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham
1: He's blank. I'm Brandon. I'm broadcasting live, River House East River Nine. They just brought us our delicious food. Blanker's food looks tremendous. Looks outstanding. He does have ketchup on his uh, plate, but he's not putting it on his chicken. I'm not, not using it. You're not. are You're Not no. using it. They just brought. It. You didn't even ask for it. They just brought it because they know you. Yep. They know you like catch ketchup. They brought it as an option, but you're not using it. I got the hot bird. The hot bird's so good. It's rainy. You're not golfing today. We know that, but come have a bite. The hot bird for dinner. Excellent drinks. Outstanding as well. And uh, come out this weekend, too. This Saturday at East River Nine, Blues Fest. It's live blues music, barbecue, and college football. All happening from 4 to 9 this Saturday. They'll be showing the college football conference championship games all day on their big screen, uh, all their TVs, and serving barbecue from their smoker pit, which I kind of went out and was a little nosy about earlier. Uh, going to be a great time this Saturday, Blues Fest here at East River Nine, going to be fantastic, and also you can play a Quick Nine as well. Um, somebody wanted us to give a shout out to high school football. Can you guys give a shout out to the Port Nations Grows Football Team? They play Huntsville tomorrow night at NRG Stadium for the quarterfinals. Eh, I'll think about it. Congratulations. You know, uh, you know what? You know what PNG's nickname. I don't. They're the Indians. Oh, they play in the stadium. Call they call it the reservation. Oh, they do some dances with their cheerleaders on the sideline. Oh. They um. Yeah, they have not. Uh, they haven't changed much.
2: They've uh, the been able Aces to ride Groves, that under the radar.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's under the radar. They. I mean, I just think that they, they just don't care. They just don't budge. Huh. <laughs> I just think that they don't change. Uh, Dustin Long. I remember Dustin Long, old Texas A&M quarterback, went to Port Aces Groves. Then he lost his job to Reggie McNeil. Remember Reggie McNeil? From I London? do remember Reggie McNeil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Half Nielsen says P and G Guardians seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six Killer bees on ESPN at 97.5, ESPN 92.5. two five All right. Here's a, here's the big question for sunday that i've been asking myself are the denver broncos good are they good seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six blankers do you think the denver broncos are good i really don't Uh, i
2: mean you have to tip your cap to a team that's won five in a row in the nfl because as we always hear from all the players with all the adages hey winning in the nfl is hard i get that right you've won five in a row but we were all witness to a texans team that what won nine in a row one year, and you kept pointing out all the different fluky ways they were able to win some of those games, and sometimes things happen, but when you look at what they've done, I see two teams that are like the antithesis of overachieving and underachieving. I thought the Chargers were the team in the AFC this year that was going to finally get it right, they have too much talent, they're going to win and win a lot, and they didn't. On the flip side, I thought the Broncos were going to be horrible. We got Sean Payton's ego. We got all the different things about how we thought Russell Wilson was broken and you can't fix him at this point in his career. And now you're looking at it and you're going, they just completely flipped. The Chargers suck, and, I can't, and we talked about this the other day. I can't continue to think they're going to figure it out. They're going to beat this team or they're going to beat that team. They're going to cover the spread. They look awful more times than not. And the Broncos have started to put it together. But when we had Chad Brown on yesterday, he kind of explained why they went back to running the football. They're not asking Russell Wilson to do too much. They got rid of veterans that might have been a distraction in the locker room, and they let this young defense pin their ears back and go do what they do best. Their secondary is good. Their defense gets after you, and they win football games.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're very good. Uh, I don't think they're a very good like in this five game winning streak. It's kind of weird. They've played four of these five games at home. Like how many game? Like, how many teams in the NFL? Do you think have had four of five games at their own home stadium? That's bizarre to me. That's weird scheduling yep. uh, to me. Now, look who they've beaten in this stretch. They've, they've been some pretty good. They've been some pretty good teams, like the Packers. Meh, Packers yeah. are playing better though. They beat the Chiefs by 15 points. They beat Kansas. They held Kansas City to nine points. They won at Buffalo. They beat the Vikings by one, and they hammered the Browns this past week by 17. Like I understand that there's some decent teams there. I understand that there's a, at least. I don't know how many teams actually make the playoffs of that five-game winning streak. Probably two. Chiefs are definitely one. uh, uh, Vikings-Packers, meh. Maybe one of those teams sneaks in. Bills-Browns, probably one of them. them. Browns currently in. Bills currently out. Uh, But I don't think that's uh, outside of Kansas City like this murderer's row of really good football teams. Four of the five have also been at home, which is weird, and I think the Mile High City is a good home field advantage, but the altitude, all of that. So I think it is smoke and mirrors. I don't think that this team is all that good. And quite frankly, if the Texans aren't capable, home favorite, Beating Denver at home, I don't think they're playoff worthy. If you can't win this game Sunday, I don't think that the Houston Texans are playoff worthy. If you can't get past I, the Broncos,
2: I think that's fair. I think that's fair because of because of what we saw of this team and and what we expect of this team and what we thought they needed to do when we were analyzing the schedule for this team. We knew that the Cardinals were going to be different when they got Kyler Murray back. You won, but you, you know it wasn't you know the way you won also matters. But you look at it and you say, hey, look. Uh, if the Texans truly are going to be chasing a playoff spot, if they who are who we want them to be, this is a game that you can't lose. You are at home. You need to take care of your business. You need to beat a team that, whether you're parallel to them or being compared to them or you're fighting for a playoff spot with them, you need to make the statement, we are better than you, we have more talent than you, and and we're going to go and do what we need to do. I want to see that out of this Houston Texans team. I want to see them put their foot on the throat of the Broncos and say, enough's enough. Yeah, you guys caught lightning in a bottle. You won some football games, but it's go time. It's winning time, and we're better than you. And I believe that they are.
1: Yeah, this, if they lose this game, then I start having a different tone about who the Texans are as like a playoff caliber team. Uh, Denver, like yes, five-game winning streak, longest winning streak in the AFC. I, I like DVOA more than like your traditional numbers. They're 22nd overall in Team DVOA. Even with a five-game winning streak, that's bottom third of the NFL. That's not good. You should be beating those teams at home. Now, it's odd because, like, if you just kind of surface level Denver, you're not really paying attention to them, you would think their defense is better than their offense. No. Uh, Denver's DVOA is 12th, top half of the NFL, which isn't bad. They just don't play a lot of snaps, so, like, they don't rack up a tons of yards. They're 32nd in uh, defensive DVOA. That's worst in the NFL. Worst in the NFL. So the Texans often should have no issues. They're terrible against the run. Now, they're better against the pass, and they have Sertan. Sertan's excellent. But if you go traditional traditional numbers, offensively, they're 23rd in the NFL in yards per game. Now, they, they score the 13th most points per game. So that's kind of like, okay, well, how are you doing this? It's like the opposite of the Texans, where the Texans have tons of yards per game, but it does not mirror itself with points per game. Defensively, they give up the third most yards per game in the entire NFL, and they give up the 29th most points per game of anybody else in the NFL. I don't think the Broncos are good, and if the Houston Texans can't beat a team that I don't think is good at home, whenever you're a home favorite, then you need to kiss your playoff hopes goodbye. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it,
2: And when you look at what they do and what they don't do and how they go about their business. Look, I watched two – two of those games pretty closely and and look, the Chiefs laid an absolute egg in Denver. that They could not have played any worse when they lost to the Broncos and the Bills game, yeah, it's a nice accomplishment. Both are good wins for the Broncos but when you look at it and you don't look at the actual game itself, it's a lot easier to give them a lot more credit. Oh, you're beating good football teams. When you look at what just an absolute bludgeoning sludge fest that was, I don't think any of those wins were more about them playing at a certain level. It was more about the teams they were playing Dropping to a level I didn't expect to see out of teams that I thought were going to be very good. But again, I'm not trying to take away their flowers. This is a team that's, whether you say they've overachieved or they've done what they, you know, what a lot of teams expect to do in in an NFL season, they've won five in a row. They're in a place where they're in in the hunt for a playoff spot. They're playing good football. You have to be prepared. You have to go out and handle your business. You've got to go out and win this game. As much as you like or dislike Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, and everything that they've been doing, the fact of the matter is... They've got a lot of momentum. They got a lot of confidence, and they got a lot of experience with those two guys
1: alone. So you gotta you gotta do what you need to do to take care of business. See, I think that's where they're strong is actually their coaching. Uh, I think that Sean Payton's a good coach. Like, the fact that you're able to turn around the sinking ship when it, without a good defense and with a quarterback who's kind of washed, uh, and I, I think Vance Joseph's a good defensive coordinator, even though they're the worst defense in the entire NFL. Uh, are the Broncos good? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. So the waiver. Waiver wire just ran in the NFL. Shaq Griffin, who the the Texans released, has been claimed. Guess how high he got claimed? There's thirty one teams if you're not counting the Texans in the NFL. A reverse record, you know, Carolina has the the very first waiver claim. The Philadelphia Eagles have the very last waiver claim. Shaq Griffin has been claimed. Guess where on the waiver wire he's been picked up? Twenty three. One. The Carolina Panthers have picked up Shaq Griffin. This is like in fantasy football whenever like everybody picks up a player that you just released and it's like, "Eh, maybe I should have gotten rid of that guy." Shaq Griffin was the number one he got claimed by the number one waiver priority in the entire league.
2: There That's has weird. to be something that we don't know. Maybe whether it's he it can't be with a playoff. It wasn't a playoff team, so it can't be. Is Carolina he, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Because it's Carolina, that's what I'm saying. It can't be a playoff team where, like, Zach Ertz got cut today, and it was like he wanted out because he's going to be picked up by a contender. He wants to chase a second ring. Well, you're not getting that kind of option, and Carolina's picking you up, which means what the hell happened? Because we were talking about him less than a month ago making some significant plays, playing decent football for a team that needed him in the secondary, and all of a sudden the last two weeks everything changed. He can't sniff the field. Things are going a, a different direction. He's not playing when there are guys off the street that are playing, and all of a sudden now they're releasing him, yeah. and he's getting claimed right away. There has to be more to the story. I'm anxious to find out what it is because he was a contributor to this team.
1: Yeah, I think that they're, I think it's plausible. I think it's in play. I thought it was a weird wave whenever I saw it yesterday, a weird release whenever I saw it yesterday because the Texans have, I don't think, anything outside of Stingley and Nelson that can right. play outside. Like. Thomas isn't going to play outside much, and he guys got crushed, probably had the worst game he's had all the year. Uh, Desmond King's not much of an outside corner, and he was like literally a street free agent a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't believe in Kadar Holloman like d'Angelo Ross who like like who like so the, it was weird to me that they released him. now if I'm keeping it football only. The devil's advocate, let me argue it from the other side, is that I think that they put priority on Desmond King, and they, you know, obviously they brought him up to the 53-man roster. I'm wondering how much Desmond King we see at nickel versus Tommy yeah. or Thomas. Like if King plays over half the snaps at nickel on Sunday, it's like, okay, well, they just were absolutely devastated with what they saw from Thomas this past week, which you would understand. Yeah. It was look, awful. Look, I, I think that
2: if you're just saying
1: football only –
2: You get a guy back that you're familiar with, with King, and you think that he can do some things. But when you look at what you were talking about and we were talking about when late in the game we didn't see Dalton Schultz. Well, there's got to be something behind it. And now because of the fact that we find out he's injured, there was something behind it. It, I just don't think you see significant time on the field with an NFL team less than three weeks ago and then suddenly you're just completely cut off or and you're shut down unless something happened or something caused it. If it's not injury, it just leads me to believe there's more to
1: it. First claim. Like that's, that's nuts. 713 780 and hrmp listener line, 713-780-3776. Rockets got beat up pretty good in Denver yesterday. Wasn't as close as that final score. Rockets were never winning that game. Everything that added up, they were never going to win that game. But did we see a bright spot in Jalen Green in that third quarter yesterday that gives you reason for optimism? It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from the River House at East River Nine on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
2: Hey, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph procedure. If you don't know what it is, but you're experiencing pattern baldness, you've lost your hair, you don't think there's anything that you can do other than the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem and don't fix it, you're wrong. All you got to do is check out the neograft procedure, and you can do it for absolutely free as a listener to ESPN 97.5. What I mean by that is go to 975hair.com right now and check out exactly what I'm talking about. It's an explanation. It's neografting. It's what it is. And then it allows you to sign up for an absolutely risk-free appointment. Make a consultation appointment. You pay nothing. There's no commitment, no signing on the dotted line, no money out of pocket. Just you and doc staff. Talking, And they're going to explain to you what the procedure is. You can ask all the questions you want. Get the answers and find out if you're not the next in line to get this great procedure like I got. Because the bottom line is the one that got me, that Doc told me, 95 to 99% of these follicles that he's going to move are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. Why do you ask that? Well, genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. He takes some of that and puts it where you need it most, repurposes it, if you will, and in no time at all. It's growing, getting stronger, getting longer. It's going to be with you for the long haul because it's not going anywhere from where it came from, and you're going to see the results. They're absolutely fantastic results, and in six to nine months, you're going to see them at their fullest. But even after the procedure, you're going to see them, and that's going to mean something. You're going to get more self-confidence, feel better about yourself, knowing you're getting your hair back. Check them out today. Go to 975hair.com. Tell them I
0: sent you by. They're the Now return you to the Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River Nine. Here are your bees, Joel Crank and Laramie Cranham.
1: Joel, I'm Jeremy. Uh, We're at the East East River Nine inside the River House, enjoying excellent food, excellent drinks. It is pouring. Uh, But come on out and have a bite. Uh, Have a drink. Come on out this weekend, too, uh, so you can join in in the Blues Fest this Saturday East River 9. Live blues music, barbecue, college football, all from 4 to 9 this Saturday. Uh, All the conference championship games, big screen TV outside, all inside wall-to-wall TVs as well. Uh, They serve barbecue from their own smoker pit. It is fantastic. Uh, Of course, nine-hole golf course, too, uh, with spectacular views of the downtown skyline. Great food, sports bar atmosphere, Uh, Get on out here to East River 9. If you want to have a bite or a drink, come out today. If not, make it out this weekend, tomorrow, and then, of course, for Blues Fest on Saturday. 713-780-3776. This text is funny. Uh, 1509. Respectfully, I disagree with your assessment of NCAA basketball and or football. There has been an increase in players staying past the required time to play in the pros, NBA or NFL, due to NIL deals. They simultaneously allow the students to gain funds while giving GMs more time to gauge if an NCAA player Will translate to the pros. I don't know if it's worse for for college athletics. Like I believe that players should be paid. Now, recruiting players to the school with guaranteed money and stuff like that's kind of I, I, that feels icky to me. I don't love that. But I think that there is some benefit for NIL. I, I think that players should get paid for their likeness, and I think that also. Um, I agree with this texture that it does keep players from going to the NBA, uh, like Eddie, like from Purdue. He, he would have been gone if it weren't for NIL. Uh, you saw Caleb Williams; like he's not giving his uh, commitment to the draft. Now I expect him to go, but he can make four million dollars next year, staying in LA, being a college quarterback. So it does keep players in college sports longer, but it has completely changed the landscape of college athletics.
2: It's made college players. Professional free agents in a lot of ways without declaring for any of the drafts, and that's what's dangerous because of the combo platter of the NIL and the transfer portal, and not having to sit out a year or really honor a commitment. It becomes an all-out frenzy in a bidding war year to year, and that we see what it does with all the professional sports leagues when free agency hits and all the guys that change teams. It's a different conversation when it's happening on the college level and so many programs are affected in all the different ways that the trickle-down effect you know kind of take shape in all of this I think that they have to try and fix one or the other so that the, the combination of both the way it is currently is extremely dangerous as a landscape and it makes literally all these college athletes into professionals in terms of the fact that they hit free agency on a year to year basis. Yeah
1: you've seen a lot of quarterbacks hit the portal today and Matt Rule said yesterday yeah. it costs like a million and a half two million dollars right now to get a decent quarterback from the portal yeah I mean it is it's turned into I mean it's not amateur athletics <laughs> anymore it is a uh, feeder league to the pros, and it is uh, pretty lucrative for some of these best players. Plus,
2: if you're Duke's quarterback and you know your coach is going to A&M, whether you go and follow him to A&M or you realize, I'm not going to wait around to see who they bring in, if they play the same system and I fit in or not, I'm going to go where I know I need to be in a system like that with a guy I trust, and I'm
1: gone. My my big thing is I don't like the... High school recruit being guaranteed a million dollars before they step foot on exactly. campus. I, but it feels icky. I don't think there's anything you can do to police it or actually regulate it. Um, and I also want them to crack down on the on the second transfer. Like, you get one free transfer? Cool. Cool. Right. Like, I, I get it. That's the rule. Fine. But the second transfer without a degree, that's something I want them to crack down on, too. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But I don't think it's necessarily bad. It just changes things. And you have to evolve and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Rockets lost in Denver yesterday. They only lost by 10, which... You know what the spread was? Ten and a half. Ten and a half. It was nine and a half most of the day. And then I think the Murray News took it off the board for a minute, and then it popped back up, and it was ten and a half points. Rockets went on a 10-1 run to lose by ten. Talk about the bad beat. Not that I was jaded by any any of this, uh, but everything before the game yesterday added up. Like I, I knew the Rockets were getting blown out yesterday. You and I both said it on the air. It should have been by more than ten and a half points. I'm not upset at all. But like Jamal Murray came back for the first time, almost left immediately. Nokola uh, Jokic didn't play in the game two days before so he was fresh he was rested you're going to altitude in denver you didn't have fred van vliet you can say what you want about jay sean tate he's still part of the rotation there was no way the rockets were going to win that game yesterday the fact that they only lost by 10 i was somewhat impressed with a plus bit, michael actually. porter jr
2: wasn't supposed to play and he played i mean you look at the well, way
1: gordon gordon for denver
2: Oh, it was Aaron Gordon. You're right. Aaron Gordon didn't play. I thought Michael Porter Jr. He might, might have been, been I dinged think he was up questionable, too. questionable, yeah. yeah. But the fact that he played as well as he did. Yeah, he and, and look, the, the Joker's a tough guard for anybody. He's the best player in the world right now, the way he's playing. And you're on a back-to-back, and you had a, a just an absolute dogfight of a game in Dallas that meant something for you that you put poured all your effort into. And then your coach on the floor and Fred Van, Viet's not, Van Vliet is not playing, and he does so much on both ends of the floor to kind of get a, a DOCA system implemented and get guys doing what they're supposed to be doing. You and I both saw it as a recipe for disaster. The fact that they only lost by 10 was a moral victory, and I know we keep talking about moral victories, but when you look at it, this was a tough matchup in a tough city against a really tough team last night, so we kind of expected it. It's just that, obviously, now the, the microcosm of, of a season, it looks like, well, they still can't win on the road. Well, they can't do these things. Well, I don't know if that's going to be fixed overnight regardless, but that was a tough back-to-back no matter what.
1: Yeah, this was – I just had a – they were going to get beat by – they should have gotten beat by 20. The, the game was a lot closer than it actually was. The the garbage players – shouldn't say that. Garbage time players went on a stinking 10-1 run to cover the 10.5-point spread. Unbelievable. Now, the my biggest – reason for encouragement of that game yesterday. Who cares what they were doing in garbage time? Jalen Green took over the game in the third quarter. He was phenomenal. Like He hasn't looked that smooth and that good like being the orchestrator of the offense, I think, all year. Like He's had moments where you go isolation and he could score in bunches. But yesterday he was scoring in bunches in the third. His shot was falling. But he looked like a pretty good maestro of the offense, too. The assist, he finished with nine assists, which tied a career high. That Jalen Green, to me, like that's the what's frustrating about Jalen Green. He does stuff like he did yesterday. You know he's capable of doing that. If he does that all the time, he's an all-star. He just don't we, don't we don't see it enough. We don't see it on a consistent enough basis.
2: There's so much here from what we talked about even yesterday, about the fact that, one, I didn't think that he had buy-in yet into all of what a Doka system is on both ends of the floor, and we've seen glimpses of that. Two, you can't turn your back on a guy that has that much talent you know that it's not a talent-based discussion with Jalen Green. It's going. what's going on between his ears. It's understanding and partaking and participating as a willing participant in a system on both ends of the floor. It's doing the things to make the team better, not just what you're trying to get for your own numbers. And we saw a lot of that last night. And another key uh, factor in all this was Van Vliet was out. So now you needed another ball handler. You and I were looking for who was going to be the guy besides Holiday to bring the ball up the floor. Well, in the third quarter when he had the ball in his hands and he could feel a part of the game and the offense, and we said, and I was talking about yesterday, He, if he doesn't get touches early, if he doesn't like, he feel like he's a part of the offense, he's going to force it to get shots up, he's going to force it to try and feel like that's his way of being a part of the team, and it's going to cause the team to probably have some, some setbacks. Because he got into it from a variety of different perspectives, as you mentioned, he really was bought in on both ends, and he was busting his butt, and he was not giving you the bad body language, and he was making shots. And he was making everybody around him better, and now he feels like he's a part of the system. If nothing else, the takeaway here besides the big quarter is he now is feeling it like when I do, I get it now. When I do what Nudoka wants me to do, I can still do these things, but I can do it as part of a system and a team.
1: Yeah, like, I, I, look, I test more than the numbers, but 26 points, tied a career-high 9 assists, 6 rebounds, and he was 8 of 12 from the floor. Like, you scored 26 taking 12 shots, 9 dimes, and 6 boards? Like That's, that's a heck of a game. Was this it, plus plus-minus good? Um... Minus 11, but you lost by 10. Yeah, Like, I mean, yep. I think plus minus sometimes. I'll yeah. live with that. And not only did you lose, like, it's kind of misleading, though. Like, you lost by 10, but the starters lost by 20. Right. So, like, you were minus 11 in a game with your starters lost by 20. probably means you were plus 9. Like, plus minus is very – I don't I don't love plus minus unless it's, like, a competitive game. It can be super misleading. But, like, it begs the question to me, though, like, do we need to see Jalen Green as the point guard of this offense more?
2: Well, that's a sticky situation because you know. just went out and spent a whole... That's why it's a great question. Yeah, boatload. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a great know, question, but I'm saying you spent a boatload of money on Fred Van Vliet man, you drafted a and, man. And, and you draft, drafted Amen Thompson, so you've already got two guys on the roster. Now, it, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen something like this. A lot of the best players in the game, we always joke about the fact that LeBron doesn't need a point guard because LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands a majority of the time, and he's not a true point guard. It wouldn't be the first time, and it wouldn't be a bad thing if eventually you evolved as a team into a team like Udoka has seen in the past with the systems he's run in Boston when Marcus Smart wasn't a point guard and yeah. Tatum wasn't a point guard and Brown wasn't a point guard. But the three of them, between their ability to create and their ability to handle the basketball, could cover up for whoever you wanted to play point guard. And maybe that's what you see this turn into. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to push Fred VanVleet out of the starting lineup immediately. But you could see if he continues to have these kind of glimpses and these kind of outbursts when he is handling the ball more, that that's – Eventually, what they evolve into.
1: And, and Emay's played two point guards at the same time. Like when a men prior for, from him being hurt, like he was the first guard off the bench playing with Van Vleet. Uh, Holiday plays quite a bit with Van Vliet on the floor as well. Uh, I want to see more of Jalen Green being the orchestrator of the offense, like we saw in that third quarter yesterday. It's he looked really good. It looked really good in that game. And it's what's frustrating too about him. It kind of makes me mad in the same vein. Like, that is who Jalen Green is capable of being. That guy is an all-star. Do it every game. Do it most games.
2: The other thing, too, Jeremy, and you've, you've seen this, I've seen this, and we talk about different guys on different teams. Everybody's personality is different. Some take hard, hard, tough coaching. Some need to be coddled. And As long as that's that's the mental side of it. On the physical side of it, some guys just say, tell me what you want me to do and where you want me to go and how the system, and I'll do it. And other guys have to have that ball in their hands as that validation. I'm part of this team i'm part of what we're doing i can do what i need to do because of this Maybe it's just one of those things where he feels more invested when he has, uh, you know, opportunities to handle the ball and make decisions.
1: Seven one three seven eight zero 780 espn You know, I left myself after that game saying, you know, at least it was uh, somewhat competitive, right? Like the Rockets, everything, it was back-to-back, mile high. They're playing the defending champs. Jokic is playing. He's fresh. Murray, Murray's back for the first time. He, like you said, you're, you lost the, you know, you're the devastating game. Monday in the or Tuesday rather in the NIT of the NBA, and I, I left myself felt well. It was competitive. It, it was you know they're, they're fighting the fight. Some of these games have felt that way. The, the Dallas game felt that way. They were they were in it. Yay, they were in it. What's it going to take for the Rockets to graduate that stage? The yay, we were competitive narrative. What's it going to take for the Rockets to graduate that and for you to graduate that thought on the Rockets as well? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN Killer Bees broadcasting live from the River House at East River Nine on ESPN ninety seven five.
0: Back in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank studios at East River 9, it's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham.
1: He's Blank, I'm Branham. We're inside the River House at East River 9, enjoying the fantastic food and the excellent drink. East River 9. A nine-hole golf course, spectacular views of the city. I love the view of the downtown skyline. Can't quite see it today because of the rain, but it's fantastic. Uh, Great food, sports bar atmosphere. Uh, I love their hot bird sandwich. You got the charbrookers sandwich. It looked very good. Didn't use the ketchup. I'm very proud of you. And this Saturday is the Blues Fest from 4 to 9. Come on out, enjoy some blues music, enjoy some barbecue, barbecue and blues. And, of course, college football all day Saturday as well. They cook the barbecue here on site from their smoker pit as well. Uh, and their huge TV outside on the patio. So come on out, uh, East River 9 on Saturday for Blues Fest. All right, we're asking you the question. 713-780-ESPN. Rockets lost yesterday. They they got hammered. They got beat up in that game. They, they went on a 10-1 run to have a backdoor cover. Thanks a lot, uh, Cam Whitmore. Uh, appreciate that. Although I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Cam Whitmore. I'd like to see more Cam Whitmore. I, I think that it's going to take a – I think there's going to be a point in the season where E-May decides he says i'm gonna have to go with young players i think it might be the trade deadline and maybe it means trading jay sean tate before cam whitmore can get actual real minutes
2: we talked about that we talked about the fact that i thought that they would showcase some of the vets early because those guys are going to be attractive to playoff and championship caliber teams so that maybe you get something for them and then that opens the door and clears up the the congestion and the young players hit the floor what i think when we talk about what we're about to get into in terms of you know, when, what we need to see from the Rockets and when do the moral victories get put behind you because they're more impressive. One of the things that they lack overall is just more consistent shooting. Jalen's not a shooter. Jalen's a scorer. Jabari can be very consistent from the three-point. He's getting better. Jabari still has lapses where sometimes it goes awry. Van Vliet's not known as a sniper by any means, but Van Vliet can make shots. I think when you start looking at how do you take this team to the next level, and one of the things I think they'll start looking at more is they just need a a, a guy or two that comes in, and you know if they can't do anything else from wherever they spot up from – they're going to knock down shots. Whether you know, they're, and they're, every team in the league that's been good over the years has at least one of those guys. And, and you look at the Kyle Corvers and, and some of the guys that come off the bench for the different teams, all the way back to Kerr and Pax and and guys with the Bulls. You've always got some guys that can come in and fill it up and give you jump shots, and I think that's one of the things to look at. I think Cam Whitmore can be a really consistent shooter, but Cam's got a whole lot more to get used to first in terms of maturity and understanding the league. Yeah,
1: I don't think he, I don't think he's where he needs to be defensively. If he may he doesn't put him in ever, uh, in like actual minutes, and like real minutes, and ha- was in the G League. I-, I think that there's a lot for him to learn in the NBA game. Uh seven one three seven eight zero espn uh, A lot. I mean, the Rockets have been lousy the last few years in the post-Harden era, uh, so they've kind of gotten... You know, a pass, and, you know, not many people cared if the Rockets won. In fact, most people were rooting for the Rockets to lose these last few years. That way it would increase the chances of their, you know, draft lottery hopes and pray for victor and all of these things. This is the first time that we're actually, like, seeing the city take interest in the Rockets winning basketball games. And because they've been so bad, because they are a very young team, and I think the city's proud of how the Rockets have played so far through 16 games of the season, 500 record, you know, they give them a lot of grace. At what point, I think the Texans have done this. Like we were talking earlier, the Texans lose to the Broncos Sunday. I don't think that they're playoff worthy because they've earned the right for us to talk about them that way. The Rockets have to do the same thing where they earn the right to be like, okay, like you play a game and it's like, hey, they were competitive. Hey, here were some bright spots to where now you're like a little mad that they lost because you expect them to go out and win basketball games. So what is it going to take for the Rockets and maybe for you as a fan to graduate the, yay, Rockets were competitive tonight, narrative.
2: I think it starts with the fact that during the majority of these games where they beat good teams and the record shows it, it was all at home. I think you have to start, to be a good team in this league, you have to win on the road. You don't necessarily have to be able to win all or a majority of your games on the road and be dominant like NBA championship caliber teams are, but you've got to win games on the road to be a consistently looked at like a playoff team and a really good team. So I think it starts there. You have to win games away from Toyota Center. You have to beat good teams, and obviously a lot of the teams that they beat The good teams were missing a player here or there. You can't tell anything other than the next team on your schedule and what your schedule looks like. You can't tell teams who to play, who not to play, who's incapable of playing due to injury. But I think that if you start winning some games on the road again and then you start graduating to, yeah, we got some wins on the road. Now we're beating some good teams on the road. Now you're going to start getting people to really kind of take more notice because don't get it twisted. Across the league, people are noticing this is a totally different team and a much improved team from the last couple of years. But if you want to say get rid of the moral victories and start talking about this team as a true play-in to playoff caliber team or a team that can really impress you, I think it starts with winning on the road and being able to beat good teams on the road.
1: I think I'm going to start doing it now. I think I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to stop doing the moral victory. A, hey, Rockets look good on the road, lost by 20 with their starters on the floor. The, yay, Jalen Green had a really good third quarter. And Jalen Green played good. I'm not being critical of Jalen Green at all. But I think he made Doka's, I think he made Doka might be the best coach in the NBA. Uh, certainly he's in the top tier. I think he's in the short list as best coaches in the NBA. In his first year he went to the finals with his Boston Celtics team. Hadn't been to the finals in a while. And look what he's doing with these Rockets teams. that has been the seller-dweller of the NBA and a laughingstock of the NBA uh, these last couple of years. I think the pieces that the Rockets have are very good. Like, you spend a lot of money on Fred Van Vliet. It's, ask, it's fair to ask Fred Van Vliet to produce and to be good, and he has for the most part. Same thing with Dylan Brooks. You, you ask Dylan, the villain, to come in here and be your defensive stopper and to be a guy who can knock down threes and to be a veteran that can help these youngsters improve. For the most part, he's done that. I, I've liked, is he overpaid? Yes. Do I like Dylan Brooks on this team? Yes. The young players, look, Alpy Shingoon is fan. Fantastic. Alpishing, like he's an all-star. So you have an all-star caliber player. Jalen Green was a very, very high draft pick, and we can see what Jalen Green is capable of doing. Doesn't do it enough, but what he's capable of doing, and then same thing with Jabari. I think Jabari's kind of been an under the radar, has really kind of started to polish who he is as a professional. I think his defense has improved a lot. Like they're trusting him switching off on guards and being long and getting hands in the face of like guards. He's knocking down shots. He feels like he's flirting with a double double each and every night. Like this is a this is a solid roster that's going to get better. It's a solid roster that has a good head coach that I trust. So I'm going to I'm going to stop doing the moral victory things with the Houston Rockets. Whenever they play, especially at home, maybe not on the road, I expect them to win most basketball games that they play.
2: And, again, I think that's where I'm not there yet. I want to see them get to that point, but I can't start doing it immediately because I still think there's a lot of things to sort out. Yeah, it's the road games. Yeah, it's the fact that it's the inconsistency more than anything else because Van Vliet has been inconsistent, and and Dylan Brooks gets inconsistent, and I think they're still all trying to find their true roles night in, night out because of the three high draft picks that are playing significant minutes and starting for this team – uh, before you even get into an Amen Thompson is, the fact is is these guys on one night can be big for you, and on the next night, not that they completely disappear, but you start scratching your temple going, where was the guy that we saw the night before? Where was the guy that we knew is capable of doing this, and why isn't he doing it more consistently? I think they're capable, but the other question then becomes, at what point do you look at this team and say, yeah, Alpi's at all-star level. And and there are guys that find it for a year so it could be all-star level. And I truly believe he's going to be a consistent guy in the all-star conversation. But as you get to teams that are good playoff teams, we know that the best teams have up to three go-to superstar max players. Do the Rockets have one? I mean, Shingun's eventually going to get there. The jury's still out, I think, on Jalen. I think Jalen gets it. I I think he might. I think
1: he gets it. Yeah. I don't know that Jabari ever will. I think he'll want it. He might get, I, I don't, he'll get more I, money somewhere else if that's I don't, the case. I don't think that Jabari is going to get the like, get it. I like Jabari's game. I I, I kind of want Jabari to get more shots. The problem with like eh, I want Jabari to get more shots is that he doesn't really create for his own. Like he's not somebody that's going to beat you off the dribble. Like maybe right. you can go into the post with him whenever he has somebody smaller on him. He can just turn and shoot over them. But he's not like a go to that guy and you know build your offense around him. He's more of a I think he's more of a role player offensively. Uh-huh. Now defensively, I think he's taken a, a tremendous strides.
2: Well, I, I think the other thing, too, is, is gone are the days where you're going to take a guy and say, hey, go get me a bucket no matter what, and he can go take someone down on the low block and or he can you know, go to the elbow and he can move around and do those things. I think as a center you can do that, and they're trying to do that with Alpi to make him more like to the Joker. But you're not going to see you know, the true power forwards. He's more of a modern-day four. A modern-day four is a face-up shoot for three, four, that can get you rebounds, that has length, that can guard multiple positions, um, and, and is flexible and can face the basket. So it's a different style of, of play in the NBA, so I think he's a perfect fit. And I said if his ceiling is Chris Bosh, you could do a lot worse because – Chris Bosch plays a game with around team a, a team that had the other kind of guys you need the superstars and the other players. He's a fantastic fit on almost any team in this league. You hope he doesn't think I got to be a max player. I got to be a go-to guy where give me the ball and get out of the way. But he has all the tools, so you're going to see this team continue to develop. But before I get over the moral victories, I need to see kind of leaders on this team from an offensive go-to guy. Give him the ball, get out of the I mean, way. Shin Goon. He's he's facilitating the offense, and he's the closest thing to it right now. Yes. Yeah,
1: and I think Jalen's capable, he just doesn't. Do he it is. Enough. That's he but just, again,
2: until he, he gets enough. rid of some of that inconsistency, that's what I'm. Uh, that's where I'm at.
1: 9547 uh, nine, Jabari's going to be a three and D guy, third option on offense. Yeah, I, 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 I kind right. of agree. Now I think he'd be really good in that in that role though. Nine zero one two wants us to give a shout out to Port Nations Grows again. We've already we've already talked all about Port, Port Nations Grows. We had Port Nations Grows hot takes on the HRMP listener line earlier. I forgot that Roshan uh, Johnson was a quarterback there i forgot. I actually called hit called one of his games as the quarterback for the P and G uh, Guardians seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We're at the River House on East River at East River Nine, uh, enjoying some good food, enjoying some good drink. Come out see us. Good place to get out of the rain. All right, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. He always gives you winners. He's going to give you winners when we come back. Killer bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.